Hi, it's Nick Sedler from The Label Machine here. And on today's podcast, we have Harry Sotnik from dailyplaylist.com. Harry deep dived into the world of Spotify playlisting, the importance of curators in playlisting, and how and when you should start submitting your music for playlists during a release cycle. We also discussed how and when to market your own playlist as a record label. And he shared his views on how to spend $500 on marketing your next single. If you're interested in all and how Spotify playlisting works to further your label or artist revenues, you are going to love this episode. You're listening to the Label Machine series, a podcast to inspire and help indie record labels and artists to build income streams for their music. I'm Nick Sadler, a music entrepreneur that has helped start and run multiple indie record labels. In this series, I'll be speaking with music industry leaders about their experience and the lessons they learn on how they both market and grow their music income. Welcome to the Label Machine series, where we discuss with our guests how artists and record labels promote and monetize music. Today's guest is Harry Sotnik. Harry is an accomplished product lead currently based in Berlin, Germany. During his tenure at Five Vectors Inc., he helped transform dailyplaylist.com into a thriving curator-centric platform, growing up from 15,000 to 40,000 monthly active users. He also spearheaded The Republic, a groundbreaking Web3 project on the Polygon blockchain. As a creative manager, he crafted audio and visual assets for gaming and music products, collaborating with renowned esports partners such as League of Legends, Fortnite, and Rocket League. With a diverse background in the music industry and freelance consulting, Harry brings a wealth of knowledge to the table, which I am looking forward to sharing with you today. Harry, how are you? Yeah, uh, thank you for the intro. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Um, summer in Berlin so far has been a lot of rain, um, which has currently stopped for a little bit. Maybe I see a bit of sunlight, but um, apart from that, all good. Thanks, mate. Awesome. So you were born and now you're here talking to me. Tell mm-hmm. me what happened in between. So originally I was born in the Midlands in the UK, moved up to the northeast of England. Got to mention that, hence the accent. Yep. Um, very big part of my personality. Um, and then from there, I started learning to play drums when I was about 10 and instantly threw myself into playing with bands, like with my friends, which really sparked um, a love for music, specifically live music at the time, playing in bands and just genuinely, um, I guess, listen to all different types of genres, whatever it may be. Um this sort of was a like a constant throughout my like adolescence, like my teen years, just playing music, being surrounded by musical people, and um, which kind of translated to again playing in lots of different types of bands, um, and then eventually making the move to uh, Brighton. Um, from there, um, I was studying music business um, at BIM, and I was also again still playing in bands. Um, at the time, um, one of my bands like we got picked up by some fairly reputable managers which is really cool because I was learning about the music industry before that I had a very DIY approach, but then I was working with the team and, you know, really getting to apply um, what I was learning. Um, So some really cool like uh, opportunities came out from that. Um, We played out in like Glastonbury, South Korea, uh, Reading Leeds Festival and really got to see some like um, the inside of the music industry that you're getting taught about, um, you know, on like paper um so from there I ended up graduating the band kind of dissolved very naturally 
Um, and then, yeah, saw a job opportunity over here in Berlin, working for a gaming music company, Five Vectors, um, who had daily playlists under their repertoire of uh, products um, that they were working on. Um, and from there, yeah, really made the jump. Um, my other side to me, as well as being um, really into my like punk, garage, rock music, first and foremost, is I'm a massive nerd, absolutely massive nerd. So um, working within a space where it was a crossover between gaming and music and esports and all of this coming together, it seemed like a bit of a too good to be true situation, especially with the opportunity to move out here to Berlin. Um, so yeah, from there, I started working on daily playlists like back in like 2019 um, with the original founder, uh, but also working across the host of projects, which um, you mentioned there. And yeah, right, what is it, like 2023 now? And um, yeah, sort of now only working on daily playlists. Um, but yeah, it was um, along the way, picked up a whole host of um, experiences working across different technologies and working with different types of music campaigns, looking at it from like the tech angle, but also still looking at it from the independent artist angle, the label angle, and uh, really keeping the pulse on what is going on within the music industry. So getting, for me, I guess the perfect like 360 view of mm. um, my little space, I'd mm. say. Oh, that's amazing. And, and you know, that's what so many of our listeners, the space they are in that, that independent music space, but, you know, w combined with the business and technology aspects as well. So um, jumping into daily playlists as well, which is one of the reasons why I reached out to you. Uh, it's one of the few playlist companies we recommend at the Label Machine. It's very popular. Uh, you guys do a great job over there. Can you give us a quick rundown of what daily playlists is at its essence and a rundown of what uh, your main activities are there? Mm -hmm. So in its core essence, daily playlists is a very simple and easy to use uh, playlist submission platform. Um, we really automate the play, uh, the process so artists can go through a flow of entering the song, just searching for it, connecting to the platform via their Spotify uh, Spotify login, and then having a, being able to select from over 18,000 playlists to submit to or over 400 uh, premium curators, which I can get into a bit later. Um, for the curation side of things, we, again, really pride ourselves on simplifying and automating the processes where the curators can organize, can filter through submissions um, and can easily find the right music for their playlist while also um, having a platform which allows them to grow and monetize um, their brands and profiles. Mm. So how does the, because I believe if you've got a free account, you can get 20 credits and is, is that mm -hmm. essentially 20 submissions? Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So that's a very much like a one-to-one -one, um, yeah, value. Okay, so I, I I've submitted my my music. What's the what I mean? What's the I mean? So many people love daily playlists because you can submit to twenty playlists for free. Mm -hmm. What's the uh, how how does the business model work? Like how do you you know how does the company sort of make money if there's no financial movement around it? So we do have two different monetization layers. So mm -hmm. one of these is our Artist Pro um, layer, which is a subscription plan which you can get for fourteen ninety nine per month or $150 per year, um, which basically gives you tools which allow you to make the most of daily playlists, really expand on um, your experience on the site. So um, we can get into the individual products um, on a deeper level in a bit, but we have a tool which automates uh, automatically submits to playlists for you, um, which we have an algorithm which we've built, which can basically 
match your submission to the playlists um, based on the playlist like quality. Um, we also have the ability to add uh, pre-saves to what we call the gate system, um, which means that if you have a playlist or if you want to create a contest, you can then have the terms and conditions of the entry or submission to being pre-saving a release. Um, and then also we um, have a number of other features, which include like uh, our trending list, our track explorer, and very community-based engagement. Um, because we have a very, very active community, which is super um, open. But then on the other side, we have the premium layer for curators, in which we have a very heavily vetted um, marketplace of curators who have got um, proven engagement, genuine um, quality to their curation um, and their, um, their branding, especially is what we look at, um, and just are very much established within the space so for two dollars per submission you can submit to these curators and we split that uh, 60 40 in the curator's favor per submission that they review ah gotcha so can people just submit any time to those premium playlists or do you have to be on the membership model for that to work so anyone can buy so we have two different um credit types we have the standard credits which are the ones that you get every week the 20 that refresh on a monday um mm -hmm. and then we also have the premium credits um which you can purchase i think for 20 um it is 39.99 and for mm -hmm. 10 it's 19.99 um, and then you can freely spend those premium credits to the premium curators so rather than submitting to an individual playlist you submit to a curator who then evaluates and gives you feedback on the um on your submission and um, if it's a fit for their profile, they'll select which playlist and position they want to add you to. Um, whereas I guess the difference from that to the standard submissions is that on the standard side, you submit directly to a playlist. Interesting. Yeah. So are you seeing then a trend of when you talk about a curator, mm -hmm. is, a, is a curator like someone who manages a bunch of playlists essentially? In this case, yeah. So curators, you know, the world of music curation is huge. You have uh, channels such as like Colors, mm -hmm. um, Circle, and those massive, like even like Boiler Room, right there, like music curation in a in a sense. Yeah. Um, but then you have, in our essence, you're working with the playlisters who have um, assets, which are the playlists, which they've spent a lot of time mastering the growth, mastering the curation aspects, um, their branding, um. And yeah, so that's that's how we when I refer to curators, I'm in this case, I'm talking about like the playlisters. Um, so, yeah, gotcha. And when you were saying as well, you're, you're submitting to the curators, the, the premium and and you'd get they would review it and see which playlist they would add it to. Are you getting is this is the artist that's submitting or the label submitting getting actual feedback from like you know, like, I guess the quality of the song or the style or, you know, are they getting that kind of constructive feedback or is it more just, yeah, we think we can work with it or no, we can't. What what, what sort of depth does it go to? So in the current setup, if a curator accepts a song, they don't necessarily have to leave a comment. However, if they're going to decline a submission, they then have to leave a comment of about 50 words, no, less than 50 words, sorry, about, uh, but they have to leave something that's extremely constructive and that's genuine. Um, if a curator, for example, doesn't put the effort into the feedback, for us, that's a red flag. And that would be a mark against them 
um you know we're if we're putting them in this premium category the feedback also has to be premium and it also has to be valuable for the artist gotcha so it's sort of there is a little bit like you know the i think the original company to do it was submit hub wasn't it you sort of, yeah yeah so you're you're sort of adding that element in there do you, um a bit sideways but you know do you think that is it like taxi drivers who sort of sign up to uber and lyft do these curators sign up to all the different platforms and submit hub and kind of review from everywhere or do they do you know if they stick with one platform and 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 if they do stick with that one platform yeah do, is there an incentive to do that so the majority do curate across multiple platforms you know um i don't think anyone within the space necessarily has like exclusivity um on specific curators um for them the submissions is that definitely their main form of business we're seeing more and more curators who are shifting from hobbyist to part-time and then part-time to full-time through these various submission platforms and paying them out i think for the curators it's all about you know which platforms provide the most value for in terms of like quality of submission in terms of which um, platforms can save me the most time um, which are the easiest to use um, and which are monetized in the most fair way for both artists and curators, you know. Um, so, yeah, they definitely use a plethora of platforms and probably their own networks, which they're probably not meant to let anyone know about, but they definitely, definitely do. I have her. We've got a playlister um, who's a Label Machine member and he was sort of giving us the lowdown one day saying yeah there's networks within networks within networks and like mm -hmm. it sounded crazy um yeah uh, very and very interesting world um and how does it work with uh because i can see now i don't know if this is new um since i looked at the platform you've got to connect with spotify um uh uh button now on your website um so how does how does spotify feel about the kind of the playlisting side of thing and do they work with you or do they just sort of like let you do your own thing like yeah do, i guess do you have a you know do you have a line of communication with them or are you more left to run independently no so we have to be validated by spotify um through using their technology um at least once a year where we have to submit a whole case to them on why we should or like how we use their api like what are the exact calls that we're making? How many calls are we making and why are we doing it? And then we have to go through an approval process um, with them. So we have a direct line. We have the same a guy that we talk to every time um, who walks us through um, the process and make sure that we're um, aligned with Spotify and making sure that we're representing their technology in the correct ways and ways that they want to back. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So and let's can can we talk about the community because you said you're the thriving community and and you know when I clicked on the community tab it said connect with Spotify uh, you know brought out the connect with Spotify kind of link again is yeah what does the community look like uh, can you sort of describe it for someone that hasn't hasn't joined yet yeah so our community one thing so we have a very active community with regards to submissions we've had over two hundred and fifty thousand artists in the past twelve months use the platform. We've wow. placed over like 3.3 million songs into playlists at this point. Um, and we really wanted to capitalize on this movement that we saw and activity we saw just on the playlist submissions um, through myself talking. Over that. So I do the customer service every morning where or throughout the day where, you know, all the emails come in and I'm always the one who's doing it. So I think it's important for especially myself to be 
talking to the community, understanding exactly their wants and needs and what's working, what's not. Mm-hmm. So we saw this opportunity to create the community tab. So this is basically like interactions from one of our users to another one of our users. And um, we do this across a few different tools. Um, so we have the playlist trading tool, which is a good example of these networks within networks within networks of curators. So this allows curators to basically swap track placements with other curators. So say you've got a playlist that has a thousand followers that's in the rock genre. And mm-hmm. I have a playlist that has a thousand followers in the rock genre. Um, we could then say, hey, I'm pushing this track. You're pushing this track. Let's swap. So your track's now on my playlist and uh, my track is then on your playlist. Um, so we have a system that automates all of that, allows for communication. Um, we then also have the track explorer, um, which basically allows the community to give feedback um, on your releases. So if you're an artist pro member, so the subscription plan, Mm-hmm. that I was um, discussing earlier. Part of one of the perks of that is that your music will get placed on the Track Explorer. Um, and then here, the rest of the community can basically, list, they have to listen through the whole song. And then when they've listened through the whole song, they can give you some feedback on, um, you know, um, across the number of different like um, um, categories. Like a... <laughs> is it, was it punchy? Yeah, it... exactly. Like punchy, like valid, like all of, you know, all of that and um so from there yeah they, they can give you some nice feedback which usually which i'd say 90 percent of the time comes from a very genuine place um and then in return the community gets rewarded with like a submission credit that they can go spend to submit to another curator ah interesting oh that's yeah that's really cool uh, so i guess the idea with this with the swaps as well as it allows uh curators the ability to well i mean i guess if my song's only on one playlist and then he puts and then he does a swap to somebody else i'm now on two place playlists so i'm and essentially if both of them have got ten thousand followers i'm doubling my reach i guess that's the idea behind it yeah exactly it's just make it's making the most of like the real like the real estate that you're building so um usually these uh playlist network playlist trade networks are all over emails where one guy will be looking after a whole network of playlists and he'll email another curator who's looking after a whole network of playlists and be like, these are my priority tracks for the week. Um, If you can place them in any of your playlists, please let me know and I can place your music in our playlist in return. So it's just a swap to, again, like as you were saying, to really expand on the reach, but making the most of the time and the, I guess, yeah, making the most of the time and effort you've put into building out these playlists and growing um, the followers and engagement on them. Mm. So, I mean, everybody now, you know, they 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 know you want to get on playlists is the key to getting um, a, a good chunk of plays, especially if you're trying to break a new artist or you're trying to break a new single. Um, and I guess the most cost effective way is to is to get on is to get on playlists is this a you know is this is this a future is this growing do you think it's flattened off and it is just it's at mature it's at maturity yet like what's your opinion on that so we see that i well personally i believe and there's a company we believe in the power of curation especially in the world of saturation right so I saw that you interviewed uh, Dorian and he was discussing about this, the 100,000 a day, uh, 100,000 songs a day being uploaded to Spotify. Mm. What role of the curator 
the role of the curator in this is he or she or they act as basically a window into a specific um, culture, into a specific community where they've built this like list of music which has engagement from people who really respect it. So, for example, if I, again, using the example of if I had this um, post-punk playlist that mm -hmm. had like 10,000 uh, followers on and driving good amount of streams, I, as a curator, can act as like a window against like the saturation of like all the other uh, post-punk tracks that are being released because I can then make my selection, which I know I've got like an audience for. So we're really trying to take the approach of looking after the curator because looking after the curator in turn um, then sort of counteracts the saturation uh, for the artist and helps them find these specific audiences. So I think as we go on and on and on, the role of the curator is only going to grow in terms of importance. And yeah. Mm, it's it's kind of like they sort of are being a bit like a gatekeeper, like a record label, what used 100%. to be a gatekeeper. Yeah. But it's a bit more pay for play if you've got more music, maybe more like the radio days, but it's a bit more formalized. Um, yeah. Well, because you're not really, you're, I mean, you're not really paying to, you're not paying to get plays, are you? You're getting paid to get your music potentially reviewed and then potentially put on playlist. So you still need to have great music, I guess. You can't just try and you can't just pay to get plays, can you? With with the system yeah. you guys have built, Is exactly. Right? So I think this, yeah, exactly. And the, anyone, any platform which is saying, "Hey, you give us fifty dollars, and you're going to get this package, which guarantees between X amount of streams and X amount of streams," you know, that's a massive red flag. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Um, but yeah, it is paying for the uh, for the feedback to get yourself in front of the person for them to then decide whether they want to put you in a list that suits their brand and their curation style. Yeah. So what strategy would you say a smaller indie label looking to use your platform uh, would use in contrast to an individual artist using the platform? You know, is, is there any difference at all? Um, yeah, so I would say, especially our platform is very uh, catered towards this. One, because of the amount of submissions that you do get um, on the standard level, so the free tier. Mm. Um, you know, as I quoted earlier, like 18,000 uh, active playlists on daily playlists. So there's a whole plethora of playlists, which whether you're an independent artist or indie label, you need to listen through the playlist. You need to be do, uh, do your uh, research before committing to the submission that's always going to be the best way to get the best results but also with this automated tool that we have um where we're like automatically submitting two playlists for you is really built towards um both independent artists but also with catalogs it really suits catalogs well because we don't limit the amount of campaigns you can have on uh, this tool the way that we limit it is like once you hit a number of successful uh, submissions then you're quoted for the month is uh, done. So if you have like a catalog and you know you're just passively pushing it, um, you, you can then just use our tool, our uh, smart submission tool to basically run in the background the benefits for an independent label using our smart submission tool um, mm. as it uh, passively submits to the playlist and curators. So really incorporating that while actively also pushing it is something that's just going on in the background. You're constantly getting the benefits of 
of it and also it just allows you to submit multiple campaigns at once without having to go through and doing the manual work and really really does save you some time um, gotcha so is it so as a label i've got uh let's say i've got a couple of tracks coming out every month um as well as you know so and i've got like a back catalog of the last six months so i still want to be actively promoting so what's that like what's that two times so i've got about a dozen tracks um what you're saying is if i do the uh, 14.95 a month i can just go in there and say just keep submitting these tracks to the just use the algorithm and just tell me which ones to go to um yeah, so we we do the submissions for them as well so we will identify we have the algorithm will run and then we will identify which playlist we want to submit this particular track to so let's say you have like 10 um tracks active so as we call them campaigns active on the smart submission tool mm-hmm. yeah we'll then analyze each one of those tracks and submit it until you reach the quota of successful uh submissions uh, for that month and then that quota will reset the month after so it's really yeah just uh is we built it to really simplify the process as we knew a lot of the key indicators um mm-hmm. for high quality curation um and also just to save time you know for mm. these like independent labels even artists you know like we've seen you know the examples of, like kate bush and uh, metallica with um their catalog like getting a massive boost it can also work like that for artists you know like more and more so these days the catalog is seeing a bigger boost rather than like new releases so it's yeah really to be used as part of your campaign not the sole purpose of a campaign but to really just keep things ticking over, to keep bringing value to these songs and to really keep bringing opportunities um, to find in these new fans. Yeah. So when you're saying, the, uh, just to go back on that, you're saying if you've got a, a smart campaign running, it has a quota? What What's the quota? Like? Okay, yeah. So a quota, it, it starts off at 10 placements per month. So it's 10 successful submissions per month. Yep um and then from there you can purchase add-ons to extend this quota um so you can basically control the size of the the quota to suit your needs um so yeah i oh, gotcha so basically for 40.95 you can be uh you know if you if you've got good music in theory you're getting uh 10 successful submissions a month so exactly right? Yeah. You just have that running and then you can up that if you want to. And exactly. I guess the idea is to try and get your 10 successful submissions on the biggest playlist possible. Yeah, on the most, yeah, biggest doesn't always equate to the best, but I'd say, yeah, is to get the, the idea is to get yeah, those 10 uh, successful submissions to be on playlists which have genuine value, that the tight is curated. Um, you know, the, the, they don't have too many tracks. They don't have a big span of genres. It's something we really try and avoid. Um, mm. you know, the the um yeah, we really the playlists which encourage like specific and active listening. Um, so yeah, that's what we're trying to do with this smart submission tool, but also as I said, just so it's on in the background and you can really use it with the other aspects of our site to make the most of your campaigns. Yeah. And uh, the uh, the um, submissions, uh, like what? Sorry, what I wanted to ask was: Have you got any tips or tricks for making sure that you get on the? And you're right, not necessarily the biggest, but the best playlists. Like, is there anything that 
you know, I'm a label with a back catalog I can do um, to to get the the best value out of, you know, getting to those to the best playlists. Yeah, 100 percent. So I think the, the the advice is always like constant here. It doesn't really change too much because one, you can analyze playlists these days really easily using tools such as like, is it a good playlist is one that I use a lot myself. Um, you know, our chart metric, if you have one of those plans. Um, also, I'd always advise to go with play um, playlists that you've listened through and you've listened through very honestly is the way to say it, like whether the song is a genuine fit, just because it's, it's the same genre or listed as the same genre doesn't mean necessarily it's going to be a match because you know how many subgenres can come under that, how different people interpret music is, you know, mm. people don't really hear the music the same. So always listen through the list and be honest with yourself. Would you put it on if you were the curator, not from just like a marketing standpoint, but from a curation standpoint. Um, also just make sure the list that you're submitting to, they don't have too many tracks in and um, look at when they were last updated. Like what was the last submission they accepted or the last track that they added on um so yeah also playlists with better branding obviously is a bit superficial but it usually means the curator is a bit more proud of their playlist and they want to really make them stand out and spend that extra bit of time um so yeah and also looking at like social media activity of the curator and just making sure that like if they do have social media it's they're also got good quality on there that they've got a good amount of engagement um, so yeah, I think those are like the mainstays of when doing a uh, submission campaign, like on any platform, what you should be considering when before mm. committing to making the submission. Yeah. And what would you say is a, you mentioned a don't go to a, a too big of a playlist. We're like, what is, you know, what would you say is a number of tracks in a playlist that's probably getting to the excessive point? So depending, so there's a, again, a kind of superficial like, ratio that we use especially on our evaluating our premium curator applications is that we if say it's a thousand followers we look for around 135 tracks you know the average is around two percent listener to follower ratio so the smaller the amount of followers to the bigger the track list above that you know you're going to really be uh, diminishing the chances of getting even like that two to five percent even from there um with these playlists like always try and encourage active listening so obviously one thing that playlisting has bought has been this uh passive listening you know just stick it on in the background mm. you might listen to a song once because it's just on a playlist and you're not really listening to it it's in the background music so those were the kind of more sensible sized track list um and more within context I would say just encourages or has a better chance of having uh, active listeners within uh, the followers. Gotcha. And you mentioned as well a, a tool that you use pretty regularly to check out a, a good playlist. What was it called? Good playlist. Is it a good playlist? Is it a good playlist.com? Is all, it a good playlist.com? Just all one word. All one word. Yeah. What do you do? Just put the playlist in it. Just says you literally put the link in, and they they give you um, metrics such as the amount of followers, how the followers have accrued over time, um, how many um, appeared on sections that the playlist contributes on to. So, for example, that would be um, a playlist actually ranks towards the within all the playlists that has, um, that artist has been put on. So, I think the top forty playlists get ranked on that appeared on section. So that just basically means discovered on. I think it used to be called discovered on even. 
Uh, gotcha. but now it's called, yeah, now it's called appeared on. Um, so yeah, they, they just give you some solid indicators whether the playlist is going to be worth your time or not. Gotcha. So putting on your experience hat in the music industry, uh, you have been given $500 to spend on a promotion for a lo-fi pop single release on coming up on October the 1st, 2023, which is a couple of months from today. So you've got two months. It's the artist's third release. They've got 2,000 monthly um, listeners, uh, sorry, streams, uh, monthly streams on Spotify. Um, they've got about 3,000 followers across YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. Where, in your opinion, should the label that's releasing it spend that money to promote that upcoming independent single? Mm -hmm. So obviously the first um, method that I'm going to mention is playlisting. Yeah. And <laughs> um, um, so with this, I would say using a platform such as ours, we can really bring a lot of value to, again, getting yourselves on these or potentially getting yourself on um, these really well and tightly curated playlists, which can definitely help um, convert like a listener to a fan because these playlists have been curated very well. Mm -hmm. um, help boost up the streams, obviously, and get into the Spotify algorithm. Um, well, favored in the Spotify algorithm and the recommendation side of things. Um, traditionally as well, I think, like using tools such as, well, the social ads, you know, is always mm. solid. Uh, depending on budget and also expectations you know whether you're trying to hit your audiences who have engaged on all these different like platforms or depending on the marketing setup um, for the retargeting or if it is just trying to put your name out there for like a week or two with that small of a budget you know mm. uh, um, there's an amazing platform called symphony which i've used in the past which uh, really provides robust analytics and simplifies the ad creation process based on your wants and needs like they even have a tool which they call forever saves which if uh basically a, a, a excuse me a fan just needs to click save once and then every release ever from like from that point onwards will be saved automatically into the uh, fans library um so i'd definitely spend some money with those guys what's that what's the uh, name of that company can can you Sym uh, symphony symphony is it just google symphony.com symphony.to i think off the top of my head oh no i've got the link i'm going to put the link in the chat symphonos yeah. is there a chat there you go gotcha s y m p h o n y o s dot c o so if you are listening uh pause quickly put that into your notes and uh check it out later recommendation and uh when you so do, so do some paid ads, do some playlisting. Yeah, um, yeah. Any other places you'd recommend putting money these days in 2023? Yeah, honestly, I think merch and really trying to make the most of your fan base by making the most of your fan base. You know, it's all about these days. It's hard. It's hard to cut through the clutter, right? It's very saturated market. I wouldn't put all your budget into just trying to get out there. You know, I think that it's extremely important to work the budget internally to your current fan base. And that's like through merch, whether that's like a gym, you can't get like a vinyl release for that much, but you could, you know, whether it's like t-shirts, hoodies, CDs, whatever it can be, um, really investing into that as well and working the channels um, for like the director fan. 
and mm. getting those super fans involved, whether it's also like creating a Discord, um, investing into investing into a contest which can really boost the engagement from your fans and really trying to work that community um, that you do have already. Mm. Um, I think it's extremely important to do more and more so these days. Um, so yeah, there's again like tools like Amplify. We just did a partnership with Amplify. Yeah, they're um, awesome. Yeah, they're really great guys um, over there. Really cool tech. Um, Layla, I'm a massive fan as well. Their drop like technology for like merch and stuff is really great for utilizing your current communities. And also Koji um, as like a link in bio service is pretty crazy in the way it's built out and the, the UI UX of it all. Um, so investing for stuff, obviously investing into merch, yeah, especially working with smaller budgets. I would definitely say is is worthwhile. You actually it's one of the things you probably have the best chance of getting a genuine revenue return on, right? Compared mm-hmm. to, I think a lot of people um, make a mistake of expecting to go into player listing with a like a a return on investment. Mm. If I spend two hundred dollars on play on Spotify playlisting, I'll get that back and stream somehow, which is yeah, that's always the fantasy. Yeah, exactly. It's always the expectation and it's always the most common, I guess, gripe within the industry is that you spend a lot, but you get streams, but you don't know really what to do with it at that point. And you don't get that obviously return from the the royalties. So, yeah, I mean, one thing I'd always say with like playlisting is always try and like convert the data into something more actionable that you do get from that, looking at where the listeners are coming from. Um, looking at how they, these new fans are engaging from on your Spotify for artists profile, also on like the distributor profiles, and really trying to look at that data to see if so you can convert to like some of those fans into, or at least retarget some of those fans to become or listeners to become fans, right? So yeah, um, that leads perfectly on to my next question, which was, in your opinion, how do you capitalize on Spotify plays? You got a user. They've now hit uh, 30,000 monthly listeners. Great. Now what? What would you, you, and you talked about earlier about building a a community of super fans. What, in your opinion, is the best way of, and and on a practical level, what specifically should somebody do to get those streams and those people listening into a community? Well, I think it's one notoriously hard, obviously, with Spotify um, to translate from one platform to another. Mm. However, looking at the Spotify for Artists data, you can really get some good insights into where these streams are coming from and where your fans are like um, seeming to be growing. You know, um, It's really good to get at least indicators on this because then it's how you translate it into stuff like, okay, maybe I see that um in xyz like uh, location that i'm getting more streams and i've been like they've been increasing over time so therefore i'm going to do some more targeted ads over there and see if i can like maybe get their attention and bring them in um gotcha so as a way if you're going to be like you know and as you rightly said you know you're if on that 500 let's say you spend 150 dollars on social ads by looking at the data, you'll be able to say, well, rather than just picking North America, UK, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand as the countries, instead what you're saying is, well, no, we're in America. Which cities is it growing? Okay, great. It's in LA, Houston, and New York. Right, I'm just going to target those cities. Likewise, it's in Brighton and, I don't know, Liverpool, and getting, and then you're going to get a better bang for your buck. Is, is that sort of what you're meaning? 
Yeah, if you're looking at purely conversions from like the these listeners, I think that's 100 percent um one of the like, the correct methods to do so. It's obviously there's risk to it because it's so specific, mm-hmm. and it. But you, the purpose of that campaign is to target those people who are listening in those specific locations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas so it's more of retargeting. Um, so as long as you understand the actual um the goals of the campaign. Rather than, you know, if you were doing, let's say, countrywide ones, that's more like an encatchment to get people's attention. Whereas mm. the ones where it's like very specific into these locations is, again, about like there's evidence to suggest that this will work and this will convert better. So as long as you know the setup and you understand the setup, I think that's definitely the way to uh, to, to approach it. Mm. And um, and just going back as well to, you know, this uh, fantasy campaign of $500, what um, just on timing wise as well, like when do you recommend to um, submit the, you, you know, even using your platform, do you, is it, do you still do it uh, two or three weeks beforehand? Should you be submitting the music? Like, does your platform accept like SoundCloud or drop drop? box links or do you say start on the day the music comes out like what what can you talk through some of the timings yeah so up until recently we only supported live links on spotify so a live link is this link that is actually on the platform not like a pre-release or anything um Mm -hmm. as our whole submission flow is based on um submitting that spotify link so when a curator is actually um, listening to your submission they've just basically we've just got the spotify widget there for them to listen to um but if you're part of our artist pro plan we allow for pre-saves so you can utilize daily playlists for running a contest we have a contest tool so you can run a contest to pre-save and with your community let's say you're giving away one of these new um hoodies that you just spent a bit of your 500 budget on mm. you can then use that um to help drive pre-saves um, and engagement from the community um, but then day of release and just keep going, you know, there's no set rules on um, you have to do it um, on day of release to get the biggest impact anymore. Um, you know, obviously, it's very nice and satisfying to get that day one impact drop where the streams go like massively up. But mm-hmm. I think you can probably agree with me and I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Like campaigns are more and more drawn out these days. It's mm-hmm. not like that first week where it's like, go, 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 go. Things take time, you know, you're still getting new, um, like if you're running like a PR campaign at the same time, still getting these like articles coming in like a couple few weeks later, you can still be running these playlisting campaigns as it goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can still be utilizing your community as that goes on. You know, I don't think it's as big of a like a, a day one released impact day um, as it once was um, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting that the re- I shy away from being too like um uh like you can just spread things out and do when you want because uh it I've found that it does lend people to pick up bad habits and basically mm-hmm. not start anything until release day and then they realize oh you know there are still things like if you do want to get interviews or or blog coverage or publication coverage they do need to know before the release date because it's a filtering method that used. They know if someone's organized and they're sending stuff out, the music quality is going to be good. And and that's the kind of the system that runs. But I do agree on the playlisting side of things. uh, And that also don't just focus on the first day and week. You should be going, what am I doing for the next month? Mm -hmm. Um, I, as I understand it though, um, Spotify that the first four weeks after a release though, 
they are analyzing activity. So if you do want to have, you know, if you, and they're monitoring um, online activity and um, mentions of the music and artist and social media, it is that month following the release day that you want to have lots of activity happening. So I, I do agree, like don't make it all about the release day and then forget about it. Be doing something on the release day, but then to be doing something every week for the whole month. I think that's how you're going to get um, the best value out of a release. Yeah, I think especially that um, definitely translates to playlisting because always another bit of advice I'd give is like don't use your playlisting budget in one go. You need to learn what works, what doesn't, what like the way you listen to your music and the way you hear your music is going to be different to someone else and it's going to be different to the next person. You know, whether it's just like specific inflections in like the vocals or whether it's just like certain tones that you think translate to this emotion or someone else thinks it translates to another emotion this is all things that curators consider um so i would always say like break down your playlist in budget over like the course of like a couple few weeks because then you can like um learn and you can really adapt your campaigns and see where it's working and where it's not and learn as well about yourself and your music and how it's perceived because that is yeah it's i guess it's a kind of like a reality in one way um which can be extremely valuable um for not just that release but later down the line um and how you're doing your planning and putting your together your release schedules and you know selecting mm. which tracks you want to go into specific uh, to specific projects um so yeah that can be mm. I think it's, uh, can be a really valuable experience mm. taking in how these I campaigns perform yeah, my, my rule of thumb at the moment is um, but, uh, break your budget up over a month. Um, and this is even if you're spending your budget on social ads or playlisting and do in the first week, like front load in the first week. So let's say for argument's sake, you've got $1,000, do 500 in the first week, and then the second, third, and fourth, spread the second 500 out over those three weeks. Um, so you've got something happening every week, but you're still front loading stuff at the at the start of it to kind of get the ball would you, rolling. Would you not, is this like, for example, like the way I've always run it for like when I've been looking after like artists on my own projects is always spend that first bit, I guess, if I'm starting with a fresh slate anyway, testing rather than front loading, like always feeding bits in and testing and seeing what works and then doubling down, like cutting off the other ones and really focusing on the one channel that works and really doubling down on that that's how i've done it so i'm really interested to hear about no no you're no you you are right i'm assuming in my, yeah, yeah. In my release uh, release schedule you've done your testing yeah. up until that um up until that point so um yeah because um if we're doing especially with social um ads there is that testing of like two or three dollars a day for yeah. a, a like 10 days to two weeks see what's working and then but then that's what i mean and then when it comes to release day when you know when you go right now where we're we spending our money front loader on release day mm -hmm. um and then following the month but yeah that, that's assuming that you've actually figured out where you're going to be spending money mm -hmm. um cool so i i know that you did have um you are guy you are working on some new developments over there is anything you can like share with us uh today uh, that we can possibly look forward to so in terms of like brand new products and features we've actually been spending the past like six months you know really with our foot on the pedal um mm -hmm. with that we had the new premium submissions come in which took up the first bit of the year 
and really uh, releasing them, refining, like iterating, testing, measuring all that good product cycle um, strategy. Then we moved across to looking at the some um, the subscription plan um, that we do have, and we really uh, refactored it all, looked at the products, looked at the value, and really tried to sit down and analyze how can we bring that extra value to to our uh, community um, through this plan. Um, so now we're spending a bit more time refining the platform, but as we've been so like foot on the pedal all year and just taking a step back to really try and make sure everything is working to the best of his ability. Moving forward, we definitely have plans um, with regards to, we always, we, so we've built, I guess we've broken down our products, like identifying which products like work best for specifically curators, because we believe that curators want to save time and they want to have the best music. They want to make money as well. And they want to grow their brands. So for us, we, the way that we're looking at future products is looking at where do they fit into these like four categories? How can we help the curators build the best brands, build the best playlist, which in turn will then be a have a positive impact for those artists who again onto those playlists. So at the moment, yeah, we're very much looking at like some quality of life features for curators. We've got like premium uh, playlist trading coming out. We're also looking at a few features which can bring transparency to campaigns, um, meaning that artists will be able to see or at least have indicators on potential impact and maybe on how curators are growing their playlists or growing their brands and seeing what we can, I guess, share from the curator side to the artist side mm -hmm. so they know um where their credits are best spent and yeah so and also we're looking at uh there is one other feature that we do have on the platform that we're not that we are looking to build out very soon even more which is the label submission um tool and um, which is basically allowing artists to submit to labels who are listed on the platform but also labels that have custom parameters around which artists can submit based on spotify metrics for now so let's say a label say hey i'm looking for um an artist based in the UK that has between two and 5,000 monthly listeners, they'll be able to then basically list that ad or put that listing live on daily playlists and then artists who fit that category will be able to submit um, to these labels. Sort of like an A&R tool in a way. Yeah, exactly. An A&R tool. Um, oh, nice. Flexibility and like also share some other metrics with them. Um, so, yeah. So, um, and keeping on the topic of, of labels and playlistings, you know, you, you look. You say you're looking after curators. Labels are essentially curators. Would you recommend, uh, you know, in your personal opinion, a label becoming a curator and investing some time into building up a playlist or a, or, you know, a group of playlists, and then you know, joining um, daily playlists as a as a curator and going through that? Is would you recommend that in today's climate? One hundred percent. I, I definitely would recommend it especially on the independent side having is one a way for you to build like um an audience that you know you're going to get engagement from and you can control where this audience is coming from because i think personally it's easier to build playlists than it is to like and to push playlists through marketing techniques like such as again social ads i've mentioned it a few times but to build audiences through socialized and engagement through socialized for playlists is quite easy compared for an individual artist you know there's a lot more scope for people to be interested in to stream the playlist because it's covering a span of different artists within a specific genre um so that's one thing i'd say is a massive advantage for 
um labels mm. is that you can basically have at least a pool of streams that you can con- you can control and at least have an influence on where these streams are coming from um and then a second one i would say is obviously the monetary aspect of it it's very if you have the time it's a very time consuming thing reviewing submissions however if you do have the time for it and you do have a playlist that is a good enough quality you can make um a nice amount of money especially if you're working with these smaller budgets that can make a difference you know we have some curators on our platform making like co- close to like a thousand dollars just from us um a month right so never mind if they're also on the likes of submit hub and you know there's um groover you know they could be making like a considerable a considerable mm-hmm. amounts like we already have full-time curators on our platform who it's their full-time jobs to do this mm-hmm. and they make a full-time salary off just their uh, playlists and also the curation brands, they sell merchandise as well. And most, like we already have a whole host of labels who all, um, also have these curation profiles like Blanco, White Negro, The Acid Mine, Asidia, mm-hmm. um, Stereo Fox. We've got Airway Music TV. Um, we've got plenty of these, the Lab Recording, another one that just comes to mind. Um, but yeah, we have a load of these curators who are already labels. Interesting. Um, so it's definitely, I mean, it's making me tick and add to something to um, add into our program as a revenue stream that you should look at doing alongside merch is build a playlist, because if you spend the time on it, I think you're right, not only can it essentially pay for itself, if you can get to $1,000 a month, that's another substantial revenue stream, but also, um, uh, like you said, it gives an opportunity to, you know, sell merch off the back of it. Um, just and so staying on this topic as well you if you know if so someone's listening and they're a label and they're like great I'll I'll go and do that and I'll join you were talking about um, if you're doing social ads or paid ads to promote to to build an audience around that what are your what would be your recommendations to hey how do I build my playlist now how do I get more playlisters on it what kind of yeah what I guess how do you market a playlist in your opinion so the way to market so there's a few different in the social ads i think your ads and spread on your playlists um don't make the spread too wide i personally run or have like i don't run it anymore but i run an indie playlist that had like ten thousand followers basically growing primarily from seo on spotify and social ads but this was like indie music, but across the genres of like indie pop, indie rock, like, you know, very tightly grouped, but also makes a good listening altogether. So when you're building this playlist, make sure it's cohesive and that it does make sense with all the tracks together, because then the content you make for this needs to then represent what's on the playlist and to get the attention of the person who's watching the ad and clicking through to the playlist. You know, it's all about expectations. Mm. um so yeah tight curation good branding um and then just making sure you're uh, not overfilling the track uh, the track list making sure because that would be more beneficial for you as a label to have um active as i mentioned active listeners over passive listeners um also i would say um have a good mix of artists like well-known artists versus up-and-coming artists versus your own roster artists um and yeah i think they're the main ways that i'd say are the main pillars before even like starting a campaign to to think about mm. i mean yeah having good branding and having good um 
uh, curation, I guess, is just, uh, you know, their cornerstone of a good label. But it is interesting as well that in building a playlist is a label in a funny way. You can kind of not sign anybody, but represent anybody out there. So if you're smaller and you get a, a good following, it's almost a bit of a way you could reach out to some of those mid-level artists that are maybe a little bit above your current artists to maybe collab and say, hey, we're supporting on the playlist. Do you want to, you know, do you want to uh, let us know when your next single's coming out? We'll chuck it straight in our playlist. We've got no problem with that. Here's, here's an email. And I guess it would help open doors and, and dialogue and the industry for that. 100%. Like, uh, um, there's a, a curator on our platform who's got, I think, on his top playlist, close to 300,000 followers. And I know for him personally, that's open a door to make a, um, a label because of his brand that he's building on Spotify. And now he's starting to do releases where he's putting the songs into the playlist. And, you know, he knows how many streams he is getting uh, per week, per month on these uh, tracks. So he can even go to artists and be like, hey, mm. I know that my playlist drive this. If you sign to my label, we can do all the extra marketing stuff. But we've already got a groundwork of X mm. streams per month here. And it's just about now, as we've mentioned before, like building the community and um, finding those other ways to push the music. Mm. But it's a very good, I believe it's an extremely solid starting ground for a label or for a label to bring in for um, an extra revenue source. Um, mm. Not just even because of the revenue, as I mentioned, for the way that even like on the, again, I keep on using the word socialize. I feel like it's a bit of a hack, but like you, can, if you're building these ads in the correct way, you then have retargeting for your other releases, right? Because mm -hmm. you're building your audience for this playlist, which is applicable to your roster and you know who's engaging in that. So mm -hmm. you can then use those ad groups for retargeting and then um, really building like a cohesive marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. Do you think now this might be a controversial mm -hmm. question or answer, but, you know, would it... Uh, would it be possible for, or do you think this uh, can happen or has happened where I could say, oh, hey, I come across a playlist. You know, I know some guys running it as a, as a, maybe a professional hobby. It's making a little bit of money. It's exactly the audience that our label releases on approaching them and going, hey, can I hire you? Can my label hire you to work for us as our Spotify playlister? I'll pay you a grand a month. <laughs> and as a throwback, then all our music also goes on your playlist. Do you think that is that could happen? And or do you know if yeah. it does happen? Yeah, it does. Like 100 percent I know there's deals going on between labels and curators who the curators actually earn a, a specific percentage of royalties for the whole catalog because they guarantee that they're going to get the placement on um on their playlists. So now even if a song isn't on um the playlist they'll still get a percentage of the royalties that are coming in um for that particular release so this is like a whole underground there's a whole this is also what i think playlisting can sometimes feel a bit there's a lot of warning signs from people but there is also a whole ecosystem that's built like around it because it's such mm -hmm. a core uh discovery tool um today but yeah all these types of deals are going on um so yeah behind closed doors behind closed doors yeah <laughs> All it's right, interesting. It's super interesting, like the being able to learn about it and to obviously be such a, like so active within the communities and talk, like learning mm. about it from the people who are doing these deals or being offering being offered these deals, like all of them are obviously legal and legitimate, 
but it's crazy you just never can, until you start thinking about it, you never consider these things that are even going on or see to be fair the potential or the importance of playlisting i mean there's over specifically these playlists it's the same with like uploading um songs to spotify there's over four billion playlists on spotify right now so four billion playlists four billion playlists obviously that's taken into account all the editorials all the personal private playlists the playlist probably with no songs on that's taken into account to all the playlists like ever made but you know having a playlist that is driving streams and driving engagement is just one way to at least have something in your control on spotify to counteract the saturation mm. you know it works for artists having to counteract the saturation because you can get on these um you have the opportunity to get on these lists but if you're a curator yourself you control the list you control this little community or these insights into your music taste or if you're wanting to do it from like an educational standpoint doing it about um teaching them about a, I don't know a, a history of a specific genre from like old releases to new releases or if you're a new release playlist you know people trust in your curation taste because they know each week you're going to fill that playlist up with complete mm. bangers that they're going to love mm being the curator gives you the control of that and like how much you can like push that through like growing on like ads or so therefore getting more streams in more followers or mm. the way that you brand it and building out these like um yeah you know these brands that have now gone from spotify to instagram and they're now also like monetizing because they got merchandise and they maybe doing releases i think the world of curation is extremely exciting and it's something that hasn't really been touched upon because it's like the way that spotify has bought it to the public and made it a lot more um, accessible mm. but i think there's a lot more from the world to come to legitimize it and opportunity wise um especially like, in saturation yeah it's like the uh what happened about 10 years ago with youtube mm-hmm. like ukf that that yeah, sound all those yeah, guys yeah, trap yeah. nation it's it's sort of moved into the playlisting world i i have a feeling in 10 years, there'll be all the stories will come out about what was going on behind. Someone will write a book about it and everyone will go, oh my God, I had no idea all that was happening. There's some dark <sighs> sides to it, like in terms of curators versus curators, where I know there's like fake takedowns and all of this, like, oh, goodness, like rivalries man. from one brand to another. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big soap opera underneath the hood. Um, but yeah. Well, uh, I've just got one more question um, because I think it's quite relative and I know it's something that's, um, you know, in your space as well or, uh, you know, it's something you're interested in. Um, how do you think um, AI like ChatGPT are going to change things for the music industry? Um, and and let's, let, let's stay away from production side. Let's say, how do you think it's going to change for the promoting and, and marketing of music for artists? I think for the promoting and uh, marketing of music, I think there's going to be a massive, I think there's going to be a big positive effect in that artist money is probably going to be spent more accurately. You know, there's going to be less errors being made and there's going to be less of a learning curve. Obviously, that means then the technology is accessible, so everyone's going to be sort of marketing in the same way. So that's the this feeds into that sort of saturation and the accessibility. Yeah, as I said, feeds into that saturation. Mm. I think it's going to be amazing for recommendations um, and music discovery as a whole. Like, you, I think it would be silly to be against that because I'm all for it. If I'm being honest, um, I don't think it'll ever replace human curation. There's something that you can't uh, replace with that, you know, the human's touch to especially music. 
won't be able to be based on just your listening history right mm. it'll be it's a lot more insightful than that um so yeah i think hmm, i'm trying to give like a very definitive non-wishy-washy <laughs> like, <laughs> um, answer here it's hard um, it's hard though because it is so open the, the possibilities yeah. are endless so it's really hard to to come up with individuals but i i i agree i think i think making i think there's a really i think it's a really smart point you made about people won't waste so much money i think which is really important for independence you know you're not gonna you'll make less errors i think that's a, a great way of looking at it um and i think regardless of whether everybody has access to that that's just better for everybody like no one wants yeah, 100 not, i'm not i'm not a gatekeeper right i'm not for the one being like no i have like only I should have access to this because what X, Y, Z, but I think that's going to, again, I completely agree with you. I think that's going to be the accessibility isn't necessarily um, a bad thing. I think more, obviously more people being able to really experience releasing music in professional ways and learning about, because these techniques aren't even just applicable to releasing music, right? It's also very career driven or practice. It's going to become more and more practical as we get more and more digital on like how to actually put together these marketing campaigns or what they actually do or tools to be able to push stuff. It's translatable across careers. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really positive. I think also on a content creation level, it's going to be great. Um, obviously there's the, there's the other side to it where it's going to be maybe, you know, you had the videos of, I don't know if you saw them, but of like Obama and Trump playing Overwatch mm -hmm. together. <laughs> and it, that, yeah. that was kind of funny, but there was also, I don't know, the the one thing I know that a lot of curators, as our example, um, struggle with is content creation. And mm -hmm. I think it's going to be amazing for for that. You know, you look at it's mid-journey, right? And mm -hmm. um, like the AI art side of things, I know it's extremely controversial, but if you're looking just for like a really cool like playlist cover photo, why not? If you look that, that, that mm. that's harmless. As long as you're not going to go on and sell it as your own art, yeah, that's okay. But so I think it's it's the, the utility of it. It's not it's only positive, really. It's extremely positive. No, it's amazing. I mean, we're already using it to just write out people's three months content. Uh, you know, all their content for three months for mm -hmm. um online for just the evergreen stuff. So someone's always got something to post. You, know, you can spend a day and get three months worth of stuff, emojis, everything based on like, you know, your tone of voice, which is, which is nobody like people don't mind posting everyday stuff, but you also know you, you need to be consistent and you don't want to like, I haven't posted anything in a week. Knowing something's there and going out, I think is really cool. That's relative to your music. Um, well, uh, I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, thank you again for your time. It was uh, like so, really, really insightful sharing uh you know the world of playlisting and and your knowledge there as well uh i know anyone who's listening uh is definitely going to get some value out of this which is awesome um so is there any where you know do you is there any where people can find and follow you personally online um if they want to like kind of track your career or and where can people find daily playlists sweet yeah if you want to follow my career i'd definitely say instagram or linkedin linkedin's probably a bit more professional than my instagram <laughs> but um either or is absolutely fine uh, hey just got sotnik or harry sotnik on linkedin if you want to reach out if you want to reach out to me personally i have any questions about daily playlists the world of curation even building playlists as like a label you know the examples we've gone over in this podcast uh please feel free to reach out to harry at dailyplaylist.com would love to connect and share some knowledge and hopefully give you some pointers um 
and yeah i'd say check out daily playlists for your playlisting campaigns for really making the most of your catalog keeping that ticking over um and connecting with some really high quality and passionate curators mm-hmm. so yeah and, and thank you for having me i really appreciate it yeah awesome harry thank you Thank you.